Utopia, and this is Out Loud at Gizmo, a saying my dad made up. This is a storytelling podcast where you will experience excitement and laughter and mind-blowing adventures. Hello and welcome to Episode 5. On Episode 5, we are going to have Chapters 7, 8, and 9. There's a lot going on in these chapters, so I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to the chapters, and then I'll come back and discuss the chapters. Enjoy. Chapter 7 Morris Edward was born in late 1930 or early 1931. I don't remember his birth date. Well, it's now the last part of 1931. I think we were living near Norwood Creek, Oklahoma. Papa, Ruth, and myself were sick for about a month. Papa had swamp fever, Ruth diphtheria, and I had malaria fever, all caused by mosquitoes. I don't think Mama, Viva, Morris Edward, or Inez had to go to bed with it. But they had every other day chills, caused by mosquitoes. After all the floods we had, you could hardly breathe outside after dark. We had to cover our beds with a cloth called Mosquito Bar, before we could sleep. Grandpa, Grandma and William and us decided to move out of there. We moved to Hayworth, not far apart. We planted peanuts and sorghum camp. We had a good crop that year. Lots of peanuts, and the cane wasn't bad. Papa would plow the peanuts up, and us kids would pick them up and stack them. After we got through shaking the dirt off of them, they would stay in the stack until they dried. Maybe a month or two, depending on the weather. After they dried, we would take them to the barn and pick the peanuts off the vine and put them in sacks to sell. Mama would parch a bunch of them. Us kids would shell them and Papa would put them a few at a time in a bucket and beat them with a hammer handle, making peanut butter. We would take all the fodder off the sorghum cane after Papa cut them down, all by hand, then he would haul it to the mill and have sorghum molasses made. They got a share of it for their labor. Everything was for a share because no one had any money. Us kids had lots of fun. We would lay in bed on cold days and make games out of finding words on newspapers that the walls were papered with. When we would have a snow, if the wind was blowing, it would sift through the cracks and under the shingles. We would cover our heads with the quilts and Papa would sweep the snow up in a tub. Then Mama would shake the snow off of our beds. After a while, the snow would stop coming through. After it stopped snowing and started to melt, then we would have to put buckets and pans all around under the leaks. But at least we didn't have to go to school. It was three miles away. You have heard the saying, when I was your age, I had to walk to school three miles in the snow. Well, I can truthfully say it. When we went to school, we had to walk three miles, but not in the snow. I had a horse to ride when Papa wasn't plowing with it. One day I was riding down a trail at a pretty good clip. A piece of paper flew out of the brush onto the trail. The horse stopped, but I didn't, at least for another 20 feet. 
I got up and headed for home, because that's where the horse went. Morris Edward was getting big enough that he wanted to follow me everywhere I went. One day I took a sack of shelled corn to the grist mill to be ground into meal. We put corn across the horse's shoulder and put Morris Edward behind the corn, and I got behind him. And we took off for the mill about three miles. That was the happiest little boy I ever saw. We took several rides together after that. Sometimes Papa would make meal from a soft ear of corn by rubbing it on a grist board that he made himself. He would take a piece of tin and put nail holes through it, then he would rub the rough side with the ear of corn, and the meal would fall through the holes. Mama would take the soft meal and make corn fritters out of it. I might mention we had a big patch of black-eyed peas. Mama would cook a big pot full, half-shelled and half-snapped, in corn fritters. It just don't get any better than this. It wasn't like this all of the year. We would shell the peas and put them in sacks for the winter. The peas would get weevils in them. But Mama would take what she wanted to cook and put them in hot water, and the bugs would float to the top. And she would dip them off and put a piece of pork belly in them and cook them. If you didn't see them, you wouldn't know the difference. Papa would dig a pit and put straw in it, then put potatoes and turnips in it, then cover them with straw and dirt so they wouldn't freeze. Then we would take them out when we needed them. That, the peas and the sweet potatoes we raised, got us through the winter. I remember I was sick for two or three weeks. The doctor said it was a recurrence of malaria that I had before. So Mama trusted the Lord more than she did the doctor. So she got three or four women from the Holiness Church nearby. And they took turns praying with Mama leading them. I knew the Lord could heal me and I didn't even know him then. But time has changed that. Thank you, Lord. Even after I got well, I was unable to run and play with other kids like I used to for a long time. Chapter 8 Well, it's time to move again. We are moving about three miles from Hayworth. Papa planted cotton and watermelons. The first thing he did was to dig a storm cellar. He dug a hole about six feet deep, eight feet long, and five feet wide. I believe that is right. He put logs across it, then boards on the logs, and he put all the dirt that he dug out of the hole on top making a large mound with a door in one end. We used it often. Grandpa and Grandma and William lived down the road about one and one-fourth of a mile. When a storm cloud came up, they would come, and we would all go in the cellar, and that would be a cellar full of people. Grandpa and Papa would stay outside by the door, ready to jump in, if need be. I remember one time, before Papa got the cellar finished, it came up a big storm cloud. Grandpa, Grandma, and William came to our house because it was the best house to go to. Mama was praying for the Lord to protect us. Grandpa said, I don't believe in that stuff. And about that time the cloud and wind hit. Mama never stopped praying. The walls were moving back and forth like they were breathing. And I heard Grandpa say, Lord have mercy. That just goes to show you when you get close enough to the end of your rope, so to speak, or life-threatening ordeal. You will think of the Lord, but if you don't know the Lord personally, forget it. The next day Papa and me got busy bailing the water out that got in from the rain and got it covered. We had to haul our water in 50-gallon barrels on a slide from the spring 
about one and one-fourth miles from our house. My job was to hook one horse to the slide. I would ride the horse. Morris Edward always rode with me. William and me would go to Norwood Creek and find holes full of water. That was left when the high water went down. We would take a tow sack and put green walnuts in it and beat them to a pulp and drag them through the water a few times. The snakes came out of the water and headed for the bank. Boy, that green walnut juice sure is bad medicine. So, then we could take a bucket and wade in the water and pick up the fish. We had a bad crop this year. Some of the cotton stalks were six feet high with one bowl on the top and the watermelons were no good. Papa is already talking of moving to Texas. Then, Morris Edward got sick. We got a doctor from Hayworth to come out. He gave him some pergoric and said he has acute indigestion. Mama sent for preacher Appleberry to pray for him. But by the time he got there, Morris Edward was dead. It hit me really hard, cause Morris Edward and I were always together. He was only about two and a half or three years old. Mama was seven or eight months pregnant with Betty Lou and had to ride to the cemetery in the wagon carrying the little casket that Papa made out of boards. I felt sorry for Mama, but she said, I feel sorry for David. It was the hardest thing we ever had to do, to put him in the ground and leave him. We all missed him very much. Chapter 9 Well, we gathered what little crop we had. Papa heard about a fellow close to Tom, Oklahoma, who had a Model T Ford he wanted to get rid of. So we traded a wagon and two horses, a hog, and six pigs for it. But only if he would let us use the horses to pull it home. Papa didn't know how to drive, and I was too young, so we took turns driving with the horses pulling. The Model T sat under a big oak tree in the front yard for at least a month, with us kids playing like we were driving it. Well, September 26, 1933, Betty Lou was born. The fellow we got the Model T from said his stepson would drive for us for the ride to West Texas if we would let him know when we are ready. So, when Betty Lou was three weeks old, we loaded a two-wheel trailer with all our belongings. We took off for West Texas with nine people in a two-seated Model T Ford, just like sardines. Me, Viva, and Inez took turns riding on the fenders. Now, as I look back on it, the grapes of wrath didn't have anything on us. I think it took us three days to reach Lubbock, Texas. We didn't have too much trouble, but when we got to Roaring Springs, Texas, we had clutch problems. So we rented a lean-to shed and left the trailer and went on to Lubbock. One time we stopped on the side of the road for a pee stop and us kids learned about West Texas. With our bare feet, we got into more stickers than you can shake a stick at. We later found out they were called goat heads. That did away with going barefooted, as we were used to doing. Except for William. The bottoms of his feet were like shoe soles. The goat heads didn't even phase him. George and Bessie brought Grandpa, Grandma and William to Texas at a later date. We didn't stop in Lubbock. We went to a little place 12 miles south called Posey, a farming community. 
we moved into a three-room shack with Guy and Sarah and Geraldine. I don't think Sarah was happy about it, but I understood. Guy was working for Harvey Carroll in a service station. One day I went with Guy to get our trailer in Roaring Springs. Guy said, I know a shortcut. So we went across the canyon that had a steep hill in it. The clutch slipped so bad that he turned around and backed up the hill. When we got the trailer, we went back by Lubbock. Guy used all of his belt on the clutch before we got back. We have our belongings now, so we moved to George and Mac Clattenoff Place, where we pulled cotton bowls for 25 cents for a hundred pounds. Me, Papa, Viva, Inez, Ruth could pull 12 to 1400 pounds a day in good cotton. I used to drive the car from the Clattenhof place to Posey, where Guy and Sarah lived. I parked behind the house. One day, I couldn't get it started, so I jacked up the back wheel with it in gear. I was turning the wheel, and it started and jumped off the jack and hit the corner of the shack and moved it about one inch off its foundation. Sarah came running out and said, what are you doing? Trying to tear the house down. I said, no, it was an accident. Grandpa and Grandma lived with George and Bessie on the Loki place, about one mile from Posey in the opposite direction from us. One day George brought Grandma over for a visit. I took her home down the road to Posey, then down a turn row to her house. The listed ridges were going by so fast I could hardly count them. Grandma said, David, don't go so fast. And I said, if I went any slower, we would be backing up. This was the end of 1933. Wow. These chapters... I think are quite a bit different than the chapters we listened to in the past. First of all, he talks a lot about Morris Edward, his birth to his death at what my dad always said was three years old, so it was probably between two and a half and three years old when he died. And the part about my grandma and my dad's mom being eight months pregnant and having to sit next to Morris Edwards casket to be buried. What a sad thing for her. And my daddy, like he said, felt so bad for her. I definitely feel so sad for both of them. My dad always told me what a very sad moment that was for him and how close he was to Morris Edward. There was quite a bit of age difference. Daddy was a teenager and, and Morris Edward was only, like I said, about three years old but he was so close to him, and it really, really bothered him. Morris Edward meant so much to my dad that he even named his son Edward. And then the illnesses that they had, they were sick with malaria and diphtheria and things like that caused by mosquitoes, and then it came back to haunt him even later. And the storms, talking about the storm shelter there. In Oklahoma, you know they have a lot of storms in Oklahoma and the snow coming in their house and them having to scoop it up. And then, then when it melted, having it drip into pans and having to go and haul those out all the time. A lot of the realism in, in these chapters, just what they have to go through back then. And good stuff, too, of his mom, of course, cooking and his dad planting. And a lot of adventures involving the Model T Ford and starting engines and on the road again. Hopefully, in our future chapters, we won't have so much adversity. 
Well, I'm going now, and we'll see you next time. Please come back to hear all of the many different stories of my dad's life. Each chapter and episode will take you on adventures as he grows up. And don't forget to press subscribe so you can come back and listen to the real-life stories. Because I want you to be able to envision his world through your ears. And goodness gracious, out loud a gizmo, you're in for a wonderful adventure. Bye-bye now. This podcast was hosted by Sylvia Gant. Thanks to my dad, Dave Pickett, for writing the stories. A special thanks to Uncle Bill Pickett for the piano music.